0: Welcome to the Mash Startup Podcast. This podcast explores the journeys behind some of Africa's emerging entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build what you believe in.
1: Or like this is not supposed to, <laughs> this is not how, how it's supposed to do so you just
2: sent him an invoice then literally send him an invoice and be like um, who was doing the therapy here <laughs> <laughs>
1: so yeah like that was that was a traumatic event
2: did you guys speak about the, the great urine debacle though no about-
1: no no it was purely something it's like like it's like a performance coach it was it was supposed to be a performance coach at work and
2: he, it sounds like you're perform? overperforming if you ask me. <laughs> you should have underperformed in that situation. <laughs> Wait, do you have a performance coach? Oh god, I've been therapy for ten years. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I know therapy so back to back. i never never been stuff. Cost me a fortune. Do you have an executive it. coach? I don't. I, I have I have a series of mentors. Um So I have mentors and I have a therapist, literally just to like like the same way I've got a personal trainer. So I I take care of my body, take care of my mind. I think it's so important if you have to operate on a really high level, um, you kind of want to know how you how you're going to react in high stress situations. Mm -hmm. And so therapy's just let me explore every corner of my psyche in like quite a, a very like safe space. So like I never really get triggered, which is quite nice. Like I'm very familiar with my mind and every single weak point I have, I. (laughs) <laughs> I come to learn it. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: I think that's amazing.
2: I advocate for therapy. Like it is the most, it's, it's the best investment you can do. I mean, the state of your mind is everything. I mean, like reality, humans can't actually ever perceive reality as it actually exists. We only get our perception of reality and that perception of reality is colored by you know, all these filters and lenses that we put on from our experiences. And so the more you kind of start plucking away those filters, the the closer you can get to a core reality and start seeing things that actually are and not kind of how you interpret them. There's a lot of freedom in that. How,
0: How important do you think like clarity is for you to be able to do your work, but also like shape the vision of what you want to do in the future as well?
2: Clarity is probably the most important thing you have as a human being. Like my whole life, I was searching for clarity, literally, like it's I, cause I, cause because I'm such a disorganized, kind of like chaotic person, like my mind jumps around a lot. And mm-hmm. I found clarity like really difficult. But it's my own kind of way of finding clarity. One of my mentors actually described to me as kind of like you're darting around to try to find like the, the course of least resistance, kind of like the, you know how electricity moves to a plank of wood, it follows this course. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of building a product, building can't be building anything, it's like you find that you kind of, it's like finding product market fit. You know, you're testing a million things, eventually, you're on the right path. You yeah. to, like, and then you get that mode of insight where you just have to, like, operate along that. Um, but clarity is it's huge. Like you how, do you, how, how do
1: you think about direction in terms of how do you know mm-hmm. that in this idea maze that you're going through, you actually walking the right line instead of, like, am I, am I going to reach a clear <laughs> path or am I just going to end up in a in a place that is not um, where I want to go? So how do you think about direction?
2: Yeah. Well, I think you have to have a very clear idea about what, I mean, we're, the universe essentially has no, like, goal or end goal. And I think life has no end goal. It's all kind of, we just make up as we go along. We're like, Oh, let's build these things because it's cool. You know? <laughs> like, there's no actual like rule book or like we should do this. We shouldn't do that. We kind of decided what we should do. We decided what our set of like our moral code should be, our, our legal system, our constitution. We decided to like build these empires It's incredible. We should do it. And I, I love civilization. I protect it. But I think when you start to do anything, like you have to decide what is the angle? What are you trying to achieve? And then within the system you're operating, what are the rules that are applicable there? Kind of like how like evolution works in a way. Mm-hmm. So like evolution works along like a set of rules, or like how physics works along um, along like gravity, you know, or like along the, the, the physical laws of the universe. So like there's a set of laws you kind of then have to like apply, apply what you're trying to get to within the set of rules um, and follow the outcome there. So Essentially, just you just
0: measure it just (laughs) just, by the way the podcast has started. Like, what (laughs) my understanding
1: is that if you are clear on the end goal, you can work yourself back, right? Okay, I know where I want to end up, but let me just figure out how what is the quickest way for me to actually get there, or what Mm -hmm. is the most efficient way to actually get there. That's that's my understanding,
2: absolutely. Strategizing, you know, if you want to get to X, like, what. What is required to get to X? Like, what are the steps necessary? Um, and quick is absolutely right, but quicker but also the best way. So, like, I think one of the best things about getting older. I know you're 27 now, and I feel like I'm ancient. And <laughs> time kind of gives you this perspective. And one of the best things about getting older is you realize that, like, this great rush we felt when we were at school at university—it's like I need to get there, I need to get there, I need to get there. Suddenly, you kind of like you're an adult and you're paying tax, and you're like, wait, what? Like, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on and you realize the rush while there is a sense of urgency to get things done like i don't know i feel like maybe like even like the meaning of your life can be like what do you want to achieve with your life like what is like your duty you want to you want to accomplish and you can spend your life doing that so even if x is going to be a 20 year a 50 year a 60 year job mm. like you can strategize over that to get to that point
0: yeah yeah how old were you when you um sort of started exploring entrepreneurship or just building things?
2: Oh my gosh. Like I, I, I didn't ever start exploring it until I suddenly was doing it. <laughs> I never even knew it even existed, literally. Like I only think I learned how to spell entrepreneur like two weeks ago. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a tough word. You know, the E and the U, I don't know. Like <laughs> I'm like entrepreneur. Uh. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I never thought I was going to be doing what I'm doing. Like, um, my plan my whole life was to become president of South Africa. I mean, <laughs> it still is, and then I was going to unify, unify the whole of this all the Southern African states into one super country. Um, <laughs> no, it's going to happen, guys, I promise. And then I'm going to have like, so you're going to have like a like an overriding set of like laws, so like freedom, equality, um, if, like infrastructure, really based in infrastructure, but then have like, um, sort of like. It's like micro super independence mm-hmm. so like break it down so kind of like the american state system where like each state has a lot of independence but even more so so like a lot more regional um regional and like localized autonomy but in like a super state of just like protecting key rights mm. so it's still it's still gonna happen that's, <laughs> that, that's don't
0: you think um entrepreneurship has become a uh, sort of way in which to influence and change the world without having to be elected like you think about the companies that are shaping the world now and those people are have almost the power of presidents and ministers or whatever else but like because of just the impact that they have and the amount of control that they might have over mass amounts of people don't you think you could achieve your dream but never ever actually need to win an election or have anyone say hey look that's my president
2: well, building a company is kind of like we're an election. I mean, you have to have user adoption. You know, Jeff Bezos always says, um, innovation isn't disruptive, customer adoption is disruptive. <laughs> and I love that. Like you can be like, oh, I'm such a visionary. But if you have like one customer, <laughs> mate, you're not a visionary. You're just pretty crazy, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I would, like, would not take on that. Like, um, people assume that internally um, startups are, um, are a democracy, but they actually dictate
2: if you tell my team that they'll probably like like murder me then you
1: everybody's like whenever a decision needs to be made made right everybody looks to the founders like hey what do the founders think about this because because essentially people exist in a startup to carry the vision of what the founders view the future (laughs) which is a weird context because you know um that is the most capitalistic system in the world, but it's run <laughs> like a dictatorship, right?
2: <laughs> it kind of is like that, but in a way, like, unless you can get the team behind you and have the team invested in the ideas, they're not going to do it. You're not going to do it well. Mm. Like, I think the most important thing you can do and then, like as an early stage founder is, like, hire people that are way smarter than you and way better than you and, like, listen to them. So, like, everyone on our team, like, eclipses me by miles in terms of ability and intelligence. And when they say, look, I think it's a bad idea, or this won't work, or do that, like, I listen. And, I mean, we have, like, really healthy debates. We've never made, like, a decision or gone gone down a path as a company. unless everyone's been, like, totally stoked and totally backing the idea. Um, Just because also if people don't feel, I think, invested and involved and be like, oh, actually, like, I bought that. That was my decision to do that. I think they also won't bring their best to it. Like, people have a degree of genius when they feel like, like passionate, or, or like they love something, they'll bring this like spark of just like pure genius to something. And I think you have to feel invested in a system to bring that spark. Mm. Um, also, I just want to say, like, I think, Mash, we didn't even get to introductions just because Listen, we just went straight into it. But I wanted to say, it's so cool to actually be chatting to you. And, and really, we've never actually chatted, like, we've only ever texted before. Yeah. So it's actually so cool to be chatting, like, guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Don't worry about introduction. I told you. We'll do that
2: later. Yeah, literally. We just, but I want to also go back to your question around um, the the question on the countries versus the, the companies. I think that for a long time, companies and countries – see, the nation states an interesting idea. I don't know if it's still relevant in the 21st century, but they serve different purposes. You know, like if you're leaving a country, your duty is almost to the weakest in society. You know, you have to protect – um, you think about the ideal human societies where the weakest are protected, so people feel like there's a good safety net, that like, things will never get too bad, which is a company, you're an opposite of the spectrum. In a way, you're kind of pushing the frontier, you're being like, let's go further, let's get better. Mm. And you provide products and services normally for like, the wealthier society, but then you get this trickle-down kind of effect where like, everyone kind of gets better, like the advent of mobile phones. Only a few people could afford mobile phones that first came out. But as technology increased, now basically everyone has a mobile phone. Mm. So they serve almost fundamentally different purposes. But now I think with millennial and like Gen Z entrepreneurs, you're seeing a wave of like social entrepreneurship where most people aren't going to business being like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. Ha, ha, ha. They're going in thinking like, I want to like have a massive impact on the state of the world, which gives me so much hope for the future. I think that like between like Greta, Greta Thunberg and, and stuff and all the entrepreneurs we have, people are very invested in, in our planet and in our future. And they want to be like involved and stuck in.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's do the the podcast thing, right? Okay. Okay. So who are you and what is the company that you have started? (laughs) Come on. Let's do do the proper stuff, right? Because I do want people to have context and understanding, like, um, the work that you've been doing. um, Yeah. But also the impact that it's had but also will have in future so um let's definitely do the traditional thing um i will start the podcast the way we started it because i want people to understand how good this was as it was right so um cool so please go into your intro
2: um (laughs) So, Alexander. It's, it's not
0: natural. <laughs> it's not natural. I'm just like, oh, uh, uh, uh.
2: <laughs> I am a machine. You're going to realize now that I'm actually a robot pretending to be a human sent you as an experiment <laughs> from the Chinese government. <laughs> Quickly, comrades. <laughs> Code red, pull me out. <laughs> Cover uh, has been blown. <laughs> I've been found out. <laughs> Two weeks later there'll be a new founder of Dings Connect, literally. (laughs) And it'll be Putin. (laughs) 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 Like in a wig. It'll be Putin with like a wig on, like (laughs) 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 Um, so I actually found this question so interesting. I've been on this like big personal journey over the last couple of months on like the nature of identity Mm. and, and how I think fundamentally flawed it is. So sometimes people ask me this, I like, guess it's just a stupid answer. I'm just like, identity doesn't exist. And so I was like, I just don't know your name, mate. Like, come on. Like, what, what's, I don't know. I'm like, namaste, like transcend identity. And they're like, we just, I really just got to write down your name on the, you know, like the COVID form of the restaurant. They're like, what's your name? What's your ID? I'm like, do any of us actually exist? Like, just think about it. What is real? What like the film is the nature of reality and this COVID form? We just like it's different WhatsApp groups. <laughs> we live in a
1: simulation. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: man. I guess I guess I um, am a, a South African woman who woke up one day into the fact that I was running a startup, <laughs> and and it's yeah and it's been really cool <laughs> it's been yeah. really rad
0: tell us more about the
2: startups <laughs> so when i was at uct i did my undergrad at the U- university of cape town on my third year i was elected onto student governance um part of the whole plan to you know the super the super country <laughs> um i was elected on student governance and my role is called the day of students coordinator and the day students coordinator your constituents are basically all the students that aren't in university residences so in south africa um, you had it in 1994, like this like, opening of education, like universities opened up but before they previously only served like a tiny portion of South Africans, like 10% of the population. And then you know, they had this like this mandate of like, we should educate everyone. And it was like, it's incredible, like opening up the gates and the access to education. But while the university numbers grew, the infrastructure didn't grow commensurately. Mm. So there was like a big lack of just like infrastructure to service all like, the new students coming through um and so you see like, the numbers going up and then the number of beds actually didn't increase the campus of course I didn't know any of this at the time I was just sitting you know in my SLC office and as you all know like every year in January there's newspaper headlines come out saying that students are homeless students are sleeping in lecture theaters they're sleeping in bathrooms um they've got nowhere to stay and like it's it's crazy it's across the board I mean students will like arrive at university and they've been like told that like you know often they're the first in their families to go to university to get a higher education and they're so excited and they arrive there and they've got like Nowhere really to go. They got their bags, and they're like, where am, "Where am I sleeping? You know, like, where's my home?" And like, it's hard enough going to university, but now like you haven't got a base for that. It was difficult. So I'm in a little SLC office, and there's like this queue of students out the door, and they're like, "We need a place to stay." Like UCT has thirty thousand students and only five thousand beds in residence. So there's like a lot of students looking for a place to stay, mm. um, and there definitely is a lack of on-campus housing. I mean, that's a fact. And this is across South Africa, you know, VITS, UJ, UP. I think the university that has the most student housing is um, Bloom, University of the Free State, and that only houses 50% of its students. So like across the country, there's a mass, mass deficit. But I don't think it actually isn't the university's mandate to necessarily build the infrastructure um, because what, what's not happening in the markets, and this is another reason why I love South Africans so much, is everyone is so plucky and entrepreneur here, is that people realize there's this need and they started... They, they started sort of coming to, the, coming to the table with this. And so private South Africans started buying properties and raising these out to students. It's all been very informal, though. No one's ever really spoken about or documented this process. But you'd have South Africans, um, you know, buying up flats, uh, houses, um, converting, you know, granny cultures, whatever it was, into student housing around the campuses around South and So ecosystems popped up. And we always like, talk about, you know, the digs culture. Always a us, stayed in the digs. I mean, I stayed in the digs. Everyone kind of stayed in the digs. But it's never kind of been like this process of like student housing documented. And then on the other side, you also have almost like these institutional property developers um, developing these massive like enterprise level buildings, like literally like a residence was just off campus with like thousands of beds. So have all these beds available. So I'm sitting in my office and I have these students saying, "Where to I find a place to stay?" And i putting their names on an Excel spreadsheet. And then I had landlords calling in saying, "We have all these like empty beds," um, where the students. So I put their name on Excel spreadsheet. And thinking about it now, that was probably the first database they ever had for Diggs Connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was mashing them up with like my own like my cell phone. So between lecture, I, like read up, and be like, okay, cool, go here, go here, go here, just help them find a home. Um, and it became like so much work. So I was like one weekend, I just built like a really basic, I did comp first year. So I knew I had to just knock together like a super basic website. Mm-hmm. I think I got like a shared server on Hetzner. Now it's called something else now, but back then it was Hetzner. 50 round a month, <clears throat> built it up, it was like this hideous website, but it worked. Now it's to go list their properties there, students could go on and find a place. Um, and for the idea Digs Connect, I was saying in then SLC meeting. It actually, might even minute and I was sitting there and I was like, guys, I, I just like had this idea where I want to um, oh.
1: Sorry, no, it's, it's not sorry. like that. <laughs> sorry.
2: I just saw my face and I was like, oh damn, is that what I look yeah. like? Oh no. <laughs>
1: You're trying to spotlight video. <laughs> sorry.
2: sorry. <laughs> so, oh, damn. That's okay. I can look at myself. Vi- yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so, I was doing an SRC meeting um, with, I was doing with uh, the whole SRC and I think, guys, I have this idea. I want to match up students and landlords um, on a website. And I already built it. Um, I even built it. I was back in P visiting my parents for the weekend uh, and I want to call it Diggs Connect. But because I speak really fast, everyone thought I'd say Diggs Connect. Wow, wow. So they were like, you want to build what? We love it. <laughs> everyone started drawing pictures of penises touching and like sitting around the room during our <laughs> SRC meeting. I mean, these are your elected representatives. Just so <laughs> like everyone knows. I was like, this is, this is brilliant. That should be our logo. Uh, I was like, no Diggs with a G, I promise. And <laughs> so that was Is, is that the, why the,
1: the, the G is hanging?
2: <laughs> it's a sad it's a sad thing, connect. Oh my god. Oh, god. Have you seen the movie? It's
1: like wow.
2: <laughs> I actually wasn't but now that you say that I am never gonna see that every time I load our website, which is several times a day, I'm gonna think about that. And you've now ruined my life, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: should get the design and the oh my god <laughs> just so, was like,
2: <laughs> that was the I'm inauspicious sorry, I'm beginnings sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry i love it that was the inauspicious beginnings of disconnect and so yeah literally i just I bought the website up and students announced to go there and then still i mean i was studying biology i had no grand plans of like oh i'm going to be an entrepreneur or not even like know what that really was um and then it kind of just yeah, I just like started getting really busy. I mean I had Google Analytics and I was watching the grow and I was like, This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine at SRC, Greg Keel, who is like very business savvy, he's the guy who's kind of been like hustling and like, you know, entrepreneuring his whole life and comes from like a big like entrepreneur family and he knew the talk and he was doing corporate relations on SRC fittingly. Mm. Um, and we were friends and he kind of saw opportunity and he's like, I think you should make the business and I was like, I don't even know what that means. And then, so we kind of registered the company, launched it, and yeah, it launched in Jan 2018. Um, and it's been like the most crazy, incredible, fun, like extraordinary journey. Like, literally, I think building a company is almost like having a child, and you kind of like, you, you create this thing, but then you watch it kind of grow almost independently of you, and it takes on this like personality and this life, and and means so much to so many people more than yourself. And On the one hand, you want to protect it and kind of look after it and be like, but it's my thing. On the other hand, you kind of have to let it go Mm. and just be what it needs to be.
0: What would you say is like how to build that sort of balance between protecting it and keeping it as your own, but also letting it grow and letting it grow Mm -hmm. independently of you?
2: I think you have to kind of have like a mother's love for it, if I can say. Like you have to kind of be like a bit of a punching bag. So like... Whenever things aren't going quite right and you kind of, it's deviating from the plan, you have to make sure that you can kind of do like the, the tough love and push it back in the right direction, and kind of make sure that you are looking after it always. Like it's life; it's life is like your life in a way. You have to make sure that constantly, whatever it needs, <clears throat> you, you you're getting at That you know, whatever it needs at any one time, you're making sure that it is getting that. If it's you know, if it's growing the team, if it's fundraising, if it's if it's getting the market, whatever like the business needs to grow, you are getting that. But when it needs to be something else that deviates from your vision, but it needs to kind of be that you have to kind of let it be that. So it's loving it more than yourself, I would yeah, say.
1: Like, yeah. like I, like I want to know like the process from going from, a, like a product to a company, because you went from, you know, just matching people by <clears throat> a spreadsheet to having a website, to revamping the website, to, you know, configuring the website to to be interactive, to having an onboarding session to for for tenants and. Um, and landlords, like, can you can you just take us through the process of how do you move from just um, a simple idea on a spreadsheet to a fully fledged product mm-hmm. to a fully fledged company and growing?
2: That's such a great question. And the reason I love that, because I think most people start a business with a business model in mind and then they kind of build a product to service that business model. Like, we had done almost the exact opposite. You know, we kind of just like spot an issue and then built a product to solve that and then had to figure out what the business model was. You know, that we could insert into that that made the most sense for the users and, and all the constituent bits, and the timing of that also is really good because we're set to build our last core feature. We're actually building it right now, and it's set for release. Don't hold me to this. You know, the days are like, but on 23rd of February, it's set for release, and it's taken us 37 months and we finally nailed down our core product. <laughs> so we're still, we're still figuring out. You know. Uh, we were figuring out for a long time over the, like, the last three years what exactly that core product was and what that business was and, you know, what the company was as it were. Um, and now we only now, I mean, it feels like a lifetime. Um, I suppose in, 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 perspective, you know, 37 months isn't, isn't that long for it, yeah. but like, now.
1: Like, like, um, I think I've been learning from a lot of, a uh, lot of founders. It, it takes about three years to find product market fit in South Africa, right? It's a very, it's a very time yeah. intensive thing. And, a lot of people don't have, you know, the the money and time element doesn't match, right? You, you might mm-hmm. run out of money <laughs> before you can actually get you a, a fully fledged product. Like, how do you think about um, how can I how can I figure out my product before I, I slap on a business model? And how do I manage? How, how do I manage runway as a founder? Um, like, do I focus on the core product or do mm-hmm. I focus on showing that this has uh, has potential to be a big business? Like, uh, what do you show investors? Um, along the lines of, hey, uh, we built this product. Uh, I, th- I think it works. Uh, people are liking it. Uh, we just wanna, we just wanna figure out how big it can get in terms of people before we can actually uh, figure out the monetization. So how do you? You're mean?
2: asking such good questions. How do you, <laughs> how do you- <laughs> it's like, These are really good questions. I feel like like I've done a few interviews, and most of them like are kind of like fun questions. But this is good. Now this is like real value because this is what is like. I've had to figure out the hard way. I mean, the hard way isn't like expensive, agonizing mistakes that I've literally like cried over. Um, and in a way, like I'm going to share everything I know about this. because I want like people to know kind of the process I went. But in a way, it's kind of like you have to limit yourself. You have to make mistakes yourself. Like after I made a terrible mistake, I'll go to my mentors and be like, this bad thing happened. And one of them will be like, I told you not to do that six months ago, but you thought you knew better and you did it. And then this happened. So in a way, you kind of have to live the experience yourself. And I think the best thing I can say is just fail fast. People say that. So like, And the reason they say this is because you have to learn it yourself. You have to figure out like how to fail in your – it's so context-specific. In your sector, whatever business you're building, you have to kind of figure out you know, <clears throat> trying those things. If they do, it's the, like the resilience. If you do fail, how to then come back to the course? Someone said to the other day, "Success basically is figuring out product market fit before you run out of money," and I think that's that's so true. You will burn about eighty percent of your money making mistakes, and in the last twenty percent, is what you actually use to launch your business. Yes. <laughs> so always raise, always raise, much more than you think. I mean, you raise and think like, "I never have to raise again." We've like <laughs> we're gonna like figure out product market fit in the next like week. Yeah, what it's, you're gonna like make terrible mistakes. Unfortunately, and even though you can go in there being so careful, I am a stingy human being, I'll admit it. I was so careful
1: without spending. That's an interesting I was, thing. Like, like, I want to go back like from the early days. How do you, how do you guys think around compensation for the founders? Right? Because it's, like, um, that's a big topic in terms of you need to eat, but you need to also build this business. You need to be wary on mm. how do you switch on salary? How do you switch off salary in certain cases? Because... If it's just you, Greg, and your... Uh, what's the other co-founder's
2: name? It's just it? the two of us. It's just me and Greg.
1: Okay, you, you and Greg. If it's just mm-hmm. you and Greg, like, how do you guys think about actually building this uh, thing out?
2: It's the thing about loving the company more than yourself. So, I mean, look, everyone's... I can't speak for everyone. I think everyone has different situations, but I, I think the founders shouldn't... should take the lowest salaries in the company. And that's what we do. Like, you should be giving yourself what you need to survive and nothing else. And you can't say, well, to survive, I need a hundred thousand around a month and you know like would you actually need to survive like realistically i mean like, for example i i have some maybe perhaps unnecessary expenses Like i told you I, I like i pay i see i'm in therapy and i never want to stop therapy therapy is expensive but like i really do need that like the stress management is super important for me so like you have like what do you basically need to survive cover that and then nothing else like if you, if you love the company more than yourself you don't want to drain it you know like the money is better spent hiring like better you know, key team members, marketing, infrastructure, your SaaS products. Um, so I'd say keep it as low as possible for as long as possible. Like, like you should work because you love the work. Like, look, I'm sure people go into business because they want to like be rich, and that's fine for them. <laughs> and I can't speak about that. But like, if you, you like, you have to love it. You have to love it. It's not when, about the ten years time.
0: When you think oh, sorry, about like um, what is being the most important things that you want to spend money on or invest, um, especially that. First flood of money that you got what were the things that you really considered to be the most important priorities that you needed to take care of
2: it depends where you are in the business so like at any stage of business development, like like certain things like are, are high priority like are you in still early development phase you still kind of think of your core product are you in growth phase where you want to do marketing now are you high like key team members so you never kind of raise for the sake of raising like you always go into a round and and someone like will say, what are you raising for? Like, is it to launch a new market? Is it to capture a key market? Um, is it, you know, to hire key team members or to build the product out? So at the time we were raising, we were still building out our core products. So our biggest expense was, like, key team members. Engineers are expensive. Um, scaling up our software so we have to make sure we have the right SaaS products. Um, and you budget, of course, very carefully. So you look at, you project Projecting for a startup is almost impossible. I mean, after six months, you're pretty much you're pretty much making it up, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. especially it's like the market right now. But you want to budget as best as you can, and then look at what stage the company will be at within six months, in a year, and then adjust your spending accordingly. So if you say that you're going to spend X much right now on, on product development, um, such so your a company your product can be at a certain phase in six months' time. That means you can then switch across to more growth phase when you can switch multi marketing. So you want to like plan out quite detailed. I mean. If you draw your budget up and do it literally number by number, um, I mean, if you just use, I mean, we don't use a very hectic budgeting tool. We just use, like, Google Docs um, mm-hmm. or Google Sheets. I mean, it's, it works perfectly. And you can see then that your product should be here and your KPI should be reflecting this in, you know, in the next quarter, which means you can then switch, like, your spending will go there. And then month by month, you're reporting on your spending and then adjusting it as you go. Um, but you definitely want to go into anything with, like, a proper forecast on your spending. You don't want to kind of just get 12 million rand in your lap and be like, Pooza! <laughs> <laughs> we did that also, though. What, what what
0: challenges do you guys face having a younger team? I mean, you're only, um, can I say this? I don't know. Uh, twenty seven, yeah. <laughs> you're only twenty seven. Um, you're the founder of the company, uh, co-founder, and I I can't imagine the rest of your team being any much older than you are. But like, how? What sort of challenges come about with having a much younger team? And like. How do you leverage the experience of mentors in order to make sure that you guys are doing the right things?
2: Yeah, well, I'm actually the oldest person in the company, as everyone keeps reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, hey Granny. I'm just like, oh <laughs> <laughs> literally, I'm just not investing in Botoxin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think look, there's pros and cons to it. I think that like we love it, and it's good for doing because we're like we service a very young market. Like we're servicing, we do obviously service landlords. Um, but the majority of our users, of course, are students and young adults. And so kind of being deeply relating, like, relatable to them, like understanding, a business is, like really understanding your customers' needs intimately. And because our entire team is living our user experience, like we are in shared housing, we're living in digs, we're finding digs, like we live it every single day. It gives us such an incredible insight. And our support team are all students. So someone calls in, they're speaking to someone who's like probably in class with them, you know, to help them through the experience. It's been it's been very important for us in our business. In terms of the knowledge deficit is a big issue. Um, and that's why when we, we raise our investors, money's just one part of it. You know, you want to have access to, if you're young, chances are your network isn't that great. So you want to have access to like a really good network because at the end of the day it's not, it obviously it's what you know, you want to have a good product, but who you know helps a lot. Like if you want to try to get a partnership with someone and you walk in the front door, you have to beat your way through, you know, kind of all, like, the gatekeepers before you get to a decision maker. Whereas if you have the right networks, you know, you call the MD of the board and you close the deal in half an hour. Yeah. So, like, investors that bring access to networks, age brings access to networks, chances are your friends are in high places which can help you, like, you know, get deals done. Um, the knowledge deficit is, is a problem when it comes to kind of making decisions. For example, like, I mean, a, a stupid example, like, we, we had to get a CRM because um, we'd spent a long time kind of drive our own internal one and it was a waste of money. So we'd just try to get another one and like weighing up these decisions and knowing how to use one for someone who'd been working in a company for like, you know, 10, 15 years, they'll be like to X, Y, and Z and sorted when it came to working on how to do our product development like pipeline. Like how do we our roadmap, like how do we build products, what's the pipeline we follow? How do we do stand-ups? How do we do, you know, Scrum, all these things? We kind of made up our own system as we went and eventually landed on the system that everyone else uses because it works, you know. But we had spent eight months agonizing and being inefficient um, instead of just knowing what people know. So you do waste time and money because you're figuring it out yourself. But also then if you do figure it out yourself, you learn it. Like you deeply, you learn the lesson.
1: Yeah. Which like, oh, I just want to touch on the point that you, you mentioned. Um, the dynamics between... Um, getting the right investors, right? Like, how, like, there's a, there's, there's a notion there there's certain types of investors who fit a certain type of company. Like, um, you, I think at the last minute of your fundraising, your C-stage, you like, you changed investors because this yeah. one was the perfect one for you. Like, they aligned with your uh, incentives of how you want to actually build the company and they knew what they did. They brought more to the table more than, than money, right? How do you, how do you think, Um, like, Companies or startups should go by raising capital from investors that align with their own vision. When there's not enough of them in the country, like, uh. it's, is it a, is it a matter of luck or you have to you have to have a, a set a set of rules or a set of um, guidelines to say, okay, this is what I want in an investor, and then you look for an investor that gives you that.
2: Yeah, I noticed we have formulas left to this call. Do you want to like switch across to a new a yeah, new? Yeah, because yeah.
1: Like, it's keen feed, we'll just restart. Oh, perfect. we'll just continue.
2: Perfect. Um, so with us on we'll DexConnect, with our investment round, like I think yeah, like the VC market in South Africa is still like it's, it's, like it's early, early days. And you're right, there aren't a lot of visas out there. And so finding the perfect fit, I can imagine, can be difficult. If you got like whatever sector you're in, if it's prop tech, ed tech, you know, fintech, health tech, whatever it is, like, some some investors are very specialized on that. I think most investors actually aren't super specialized here just because there aren't a lot of them. So you see, they do take a broader a broader sweep on. Like, business partnerships statistically last longer than marriages. So you're looking for a lot more than just money. You really are. Like, and because it's a long journey, you're going to be with people and through hard times. I think especially last year, a lot of – a lot of investor-founder relationships are tested. People had to make very uncomfortable calls, you know, difficult I knew, I knew conversations were had. Round. Remember, <laughs> remember that bridge line we talked about? us? I think I need It's it time. <laughs> Clause 16 in the con It's time to... Uh, <laughs> Can we do a BPCS-A? <laughs> um, so you want to have the strong relationships and... And it's tough to know, it's kind of like dating in a way, you know, you meet, you meet someone and you kind of feel like, is this the person that I want to walk this very long journey with? And, you know, when we meet our investors, it was just like the, the guys investing in us, they were just extraordinary human beings, like more than the capital, they were just, they were good humans, we just connected, there was like a level, you know, you just like, like, you know, when we got this call, we just like hit the conversation straight away, there's this connection, there's this chemistry, you know, you just, you felt it. Mm. And like, it was like that also, when you go into through you're meeting anyone, if it's business, it's just people coming together. And with our investors, like we sat down in a room and we pushed a lot of people. And sometimes like you can feel this, like, do we, uh, is there chemistry? Are we vibing? And that was exactly what it was. With, you know, with our investors, we sat down and there was just this chemistry. And chemistry doesn't only exist in like between friends or between like, I, I don't know, whatever. Like you can have chemistry with any human interaction. Do you like, are you guys, are, are you connecting? Are you having a conversation? And we just, we just got on, you know, like it wasn't about like we agreed on everything. We disagreed on a lot of things. Um, you should have that. It's healthy to disagree. And we, you know, we have different visions and different ways of execute. but the fundamentally we like, there's this deep trust, this deep, deep trust, this loyalty and this respect that, you know, we shook hands in a deal and that was the deal. A lot of what I know about how to conduct business, I've learned from them. Um, they've all been businessmen for, for, for a long time, for many years and I learned a lot from them, but that, that was the fundamental of it. The relationship was built on a deep core of, of respect, trust and loyalty and everything else, you know, like the, the money and the networks that kind of came afterwards.
0: Yeah. I um, think we so
2: cut off the, from
0: now view- I'll
1: send it, I'll I'll just send it via WhatsApp.
0: And yeah, go. but we can continue the conversation on clean feed with just audio, if that's okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Whoa. Yeah, we can go. Like, Are you oh, still there? We're still good?
2: Yeah, I'm still here.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: cool. <laughs> it's
1: going to take a minute to just uh, convert so we can just carry on. Okay,
2: cool. Nice, Jess.
0: You can go. What question? Yes.
1: Oh. <laughs> what?
0: I got stuck, guys. This Zoom. We're just trying to sort out a Zoom situation. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Cool. Um. Earlier on, when we were talking, um, around the sort of things that you have, um, that are part of how you stay focused, um, how you keep your mind clear um and calm you mentioned something about not being triggered right like having therapy having Mm. physical trainer um how do these things you know first of all like can you please chat more about the things that you have in place just to keep yourself okay and then more than that um what do you think other founders should be doing to make sure that they have a right the, the right mix of people but also the right resources to make sure that they're okay in enough to actually go on this journey
2: yeah um so a company is like obviously so <laughs> with I saying the obvious it's really hard <laughs> you know like there's a lot going on in, uh, all the time there's uh, like a huge amount of stress, and you just have to work a lot like you have your, your output the output required is extremely high um, and also it's a privilege I mean you're in a position where you're influencing um you know you're influencing so many people's lives um it's oh, so weird talking to like a mic. I'm, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's just, I'm just like watching, the re- the, the I'm watching my voice go up and down and it's like, <laughs> it's so weird. Sorry, <laughs> Thanks.
1: We'll be back in a minute.
2: Uh. <laughs> so we're talking to a mic. Um, also, it keeps going to the red. Am I very loud? <laughs> Whenever I talk, goes to the red Doesn't like your screaming mode. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, am I like agonising to listen to you?
1: Nah, if you watch the, <laughs> if, you watch, if you watch the 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 one on top, it also just shoots up sometimes. But,
2: yeah, nah, it, it, <laughs> I'm like the foghorn. Um, but let me keep answering that question. So I like look out the window and ponder and, and deeply.
1: <laughs> Don't you have um, a diary so, that you write into? Like, uh, let me just uh, put my. Down. It's like. Like, I? Think it, I'm writing it in a diary. These are my thoughts.
2: <laughs> yes, if, I write some crazy stuff in my diary. As if somebody else is going to read it. Like that's <laughs> I often do, I actually sketch mostly. Like, I find my thoughts, my thoughts are verbal, but I sketch a lot. And I do, like, a lot of arrows and, I like connect ideas and, I like, circle things. And it looks like, like, CSI Miami, you know? They're, like, on the wall, they have, like, the strings connecting different pictures and, like, trying mm. to, like, solve the case. Mm. That's, like, my diary. It's, like, ideas circled and, like... Connections between things. But like answering the question around, around like, um, you know, kind of how to construct your life, I think what you want to do is you have to kind of take like, you have to care of your limbic system. So, like, if you want to have like extremely high outputs and you want to like perform on a really high level because, like, you first you want to do that, you want to build this company, you want to do something extraordinary, and also you feel like it's this duty Um, and it's this privilege, it's extraordinary privilege to feel like you're in this position where you can create this thing and it's going to like have hopefully a really good impact on your community and the world around you. Mm. Um, and that means that you t- to do it well, you just have to have like a really high output. Like you have to work a lot, you have to enjoy working a lot. But also as a human being, you are constrained by like your limbic system. So you, like your brain can only be subject to so much adrenaline and stress before it starts. to just get like overheated in a way. Um, you have to take care of your body. So you just have like a nice kind of like, um, like a chemical bag to operate from. Because we are like, as much as you can, as much as you can like, over intellectualize and, and be like a very cerebral human being, we are still like in these like chemical bags and they're beautiful, but like you have to kind of like take care of that and have like a baseline. Yeah. yeah. So I think there are a few like fundamental like biohacks that you can do, um, to kind of get to that baseline. Let me quickly open up the zoom link okay. and then carry on from there. Yeah.
1: Like I just uh, have a question in terms of you're probably watching year three of a 10 to 15 year journey that it's, that's what it sounds like. like. Like you are fully invested in building this for a very, mm. very long time. Like, how do you think about pacing yourself in terms of um, the vision that you want for the business and uh, and where you are now? How do you reconcile the future of where you want to go and the present in terms of what you're building? It
2: mm, says so you must let me into the room. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've been left out. <laughs> Let me in. You know that meme from. <laughs> Let me in. Uh, now she's gonna have a Join. terrible
0: time editing this podcast. Oh, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be so bad. <laughs> You're gonna have a terrible, terrible <laughs> Did you get it? No. Okay.
1: Yeah. What? Kids.
0: There we go. Okay. Cool.
1: It's gone quiet Don't look at my face It looks like a mug shot <laughs> Okay Mash Let me just let you in And the Gallery view We're in Everybody muted Nope, mash. Got a review. And then. Sorted.
2: Review.
1: I need to go. Yeah. And then
2: Woohoo. Okay. okay so, so where was I? I? was talking about. Can oh, yeah, you I'm guys muting.
1: hear me? No, I'm not. I'm muting. I'm just. I pressed the wrong button. I'm sorry. But <laughs> just, can you press <laughs> record there?
0: Oh. Uh, cool. I think we can just pick up from the question you asked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ask yeah so... Definitely. W-
1: the question I was trying to ask is that, like, because you are in the year three of, like, a 10 to 15-year journey, how do you actually reconcile what you're building now with the future of, actually, how do you want the company to be in a very long time?
2: You're talking about kind of how do I construct my personal, like, what biohacks yeah. I use to, like, take care of... Oh, yeah, Yeah. how
1: do you pace your what, what you're building?
2: Yeah, so I think... Uh, so there's two things. One is you can do like a series of, you can have a series of like biohacks to kind of like make sure that you're taking care of the fundamentals. And then it gives you a good foundation to push to push up on. So some things I do, for example, is, I mean, the fundamentals that everyone knows, it's not really like a secret, is you need a, um, sleeping is very important. And I'm bad at sleeping. I get mostly like around 45 hours a night. And I, I would sleep more if I could, but I'm just not a, a sleepy human being. <laughs> I'm just like loud and explosive all the time. So sleeping is difficult for me, but I try to make sure I do get as as much as I can in. Sleep hygiene. Um, I stop drinking, so I don't drink any alcohol just because it just adds a layer of stress complexity to my brain that I just don't need. Um, Don't smoke. Don't pretty much do anything. Um, Also eating, you want to keep the food is like, my nemesis, I, I love eating. It's like I cannot, as much as I try to cut out sugar and, like, treats, I just cannot. Like, if someone's, like, choose between your mother's life and chocolate, I'll be like, mom, I'm sorry. What? But, like, <laughs> why should we both suffer? <laughs> um, but, like, eating, trying to keep that pretty regular. Um, exercise, I'm not, like, a big, like, exercise person, but, like, going for, like, walks every day just to, like, get your body moving and kind of, like, your brain, like, sift things out. And this be, like, 15 minutes is enough. Uh, meditation is very important, like practicing mindfulness. If any moment gets kind of like, like, you know, very or very high, like dropping into the moments, so you kind of find that you can operate quite cleanly. And if you kind of insert these like habits into your life, you find that your default uh, is very stable. Your default is very kind of like consistent and firm. And that allows you to then like to, to deal with most situations. You know, I'm actually asking about like how to then keep the stability. it stability. allows you to deal with most situations in a very, like with a very clear head a very like you're just operating very cleanly and kind of like have this killer mindset because like your body necessities of, of nutrition, sleep, exercise will kind of be taken care of. Um, take multivits. Um, and also if you can't do it yourself, it's worth investing in, like I said, in therapy or whatever you need to kind of make sure that that baseline is just kind of like very stable. So whatever curveball comes your way, and like a massive curveball, for example, is like COVID um, in, the, in the market or whatever it is, you know, like team members coming or going or, or, or whatever you need to deal with, you just can think very clearly. So what you need to do is operate consistently. And also then you can just you can ratchet up your workload. So instead of working, you know, what would you do, eight hours a day, you can ratchet that right up. And you can be smashing in like 10, 11 hours a day. You can work weekends if if you fundamentally enjoy it. So you don't hate it. If you enjoy what you do, you constantly are going at it. You take the fundamentals and you do that. That I, would, I mean, as much as you can like, try and, like, buy a hack and you can, like, um, productivity hack your days. you only have X many hours in a day. Even if you are quite, good, like, thoughtful about that, you have so many hours. So you need to decide what it is you're trying to achieve, what's required to to get there, um, and then what can be sacrificed, you know, and you have to sacrifice something. You, you, you simply, like, you can't, you can't, like, do, you know, everything. You have to pick what you want. And what I sacrificed and what I chose I could kind of do that was, like, social activity, for example. Like, like I'm not a very social person. I really enjoy being alone. Um, socializing is wonderful. Like connected human beings, I think might be the meaning of life. Like it's beautiful to do that. But like, but like, like, like social gatherings, I've been to a club five times in my life. Um, just like big social groups and like dinners and like, it's really fun and enjoyable, but it's, it takes a lot of time. So this isn't for everyone. Obviously some people like, for some people like other people are their happiness and their joy. And I am saying, you should, if you want that, absolutely choose that for myself. I chose to, um, just not socialize. I mean, I have me one, like, I'll pick, like, one social, completely non-work-related or, or business-related thing to do a week, um, and I'll do that. And the rest of the time, I'll just, yeah, work, I guess. I really, I, I really enjoy working. I really like it, so.
0: Do you believe at all in balance? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I know it's, it's like a unicorn at this point, and, like, everyone talks about it being so important, but, at the same time, it just feels like something that's always going to be elusive for most people. But like, do you ever think about what balance might be or are you just designing your own version of what that is?
2: Fuck balance. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that, I think that like life is, you know, we think we have time, but I think we actually don't like time is extremely fast. Like, there's so much that we can do and explore and build. And like, there's so much like development we can do for like, not only for like ourselves, but for the world around us. I don't know. I look around the world and you can see like life's this extraordinary gift. It's a privilege to be alive and to work for the benefit of like helping other people. And like, there's so much we can do to push humanity. There's so much development we can do. There's like this, this massive like duty that I feel to just like, to do that. Like, it requires just a lot of work to to get that done, like a lot of work is required, and like I fundamentally feel like you like there's so much joy to be had in like in working like work is your ability to make manifest, and so like if you found a thing that makes you feel like you are you're being true to what you are like supposed to do, like if you feel like you're you're pushing the progress of humanity like just do that. Do that all the time. Always. Like the whole thing of like, you know, in 10 years' time, we'll always be burnt out. Maybe. Who knows? I'll deal with it in 10 years' time. Who knows? <laughs> like, I don't know. balance is like whatever. Like, why be balanced? Why? Like, I mean, we have maybe best case scenario, 50 years, 60 years, 70, like six maybe. I mean, how old are we now? With, with all like the, the like the improvements in modern medicine, we have maybe like 50, 60 years left of life. Like. Why be balanced? Lame. Do you think extraordinary? Do you think amazing? Like, look around the world and be like, make your life a gift to like the progress of humanity and go like all out. You don't want to, you know, die one day being like, well, I definitely played it safe. You know, well done. You know, you definitely made sure that your retirement annuity was like, and you made sure that your kind of had a scratch in it, whatever. Like, do it. Do the thing. <laughs> do the thing, you know? Give it your all. Like, balance is lame. Who needs balance? It's stupid. Like, give it everything. Go in 100% passion, fury, explosive energy. Like, if you love something, then just love it to death and create nonstop and and just live, man. You've you got all the time and to be dead.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you think of that in any way um, as purpose? Like, having to live your life for something that extends or makes humanity better?
2: Mm, I think, I think it's actually, yeah, it is purpose, but it's not just for me. I think it's for everyone. I think that like, there's a, there's such a profound joy in, in like servicing your community. There's such a profound joy. I think we evolved as humans, as these communal, like as, as these social beings, you know, to like live together and like, and the joy in work is because it's like servicing people. It's like there's just this feeling you have when you're like you've done something good for someone or 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 you really connect with a human being and you understand their story and you like it is the most like extraordinary feeling I think is having a human being. Like I'm a diehard libertarian. I believe in like absolute freedom and I hate people restricting my rights, uh, restricting my rights, and I hate restricting people's rights, but I think that the party, like that liberation is through compassion it's the choice to serve other people. It's the choice to kind of like be good. It's like when you've broken down your reality to first principles and you've rebuilt it up and you understand that you want to make like your life an act of service because it's like, it's an incredible feeling. And it's, it's true to our nature as humans to serve other people. Like I, yeah, I think that is a purpose.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. Um, I I think about like, um, South Africa, where we are now, And I worry that not enough people are thinking in that way where like, you really want to make sure that you have an impact on the world that's positive and meaningful, but obviously like there's also the reality that most people just don't have that um, space or room to be able to do that. But what do you think um, would be a really great catalyst for getting people to become builders, to dedicate themselves a lot more to trying to do things that really matter? Like, um, what can we do as a society to make it better and make it like easier for people to want to dedicate themselves in this way um, to furthering each other?
2: I think there's two things. One is that a lot of people in South Africa are suffering. Like there's a there's a large degree of poverty in our in our country, and I think that requiring acts of service from people that are you know kind of trying to survive is is asking too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's hard to be gracious when you're suffering. You know, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to give when you feel like you you haven't gotten, you know? Mm. And so I think the first thing is we do need, like, we're still at a stage where we need massive, like, macro intervention. Our macroeconomics are very important. And I think taking care of our baseline is important. We need, to, we need to take care of, like, the baseline. People shouldn't feel like if they fall, they hit the ground. We need to make sure there's more of a cushy landing with, like, basic services. I'm a big believer in. Universal basic income um your, your fundamentals, your, your health care as like a fundamental, your your education system, your housing, like these fundamentals, this massive hierarchy it needs to be taken care of because I think that we just the, the violence that so many people feel like with, with, you know that comes with poverty, that needs to be alleviated, and I think a lot of that duty is on um, government, big business and then also the privilege who who have no excuse not to build and have no excuse not to kind of make their life access of service and giving back. And it doesn't mean you know being Mother Teresa. Like I consider my, my life, I want to make it an act of service, but I enjoy it. It is fun when you find a way that you when you're living like when your work becomes an act of service, you're doing it to, to develop your country, you're doing it to develop your community, you're doing it to do like to to provide like essential service people around you. It's not like this, oh no, how onerous. It is an enjoyable experience to do that. So I think that duty lies in like with with privileged people and with with like government and with like kind of like a macro level, but on the other hand. I think it's also about breaking down the barriers to entry and the understanding and the jargon around what it means to kind of, um, to build, you know, and to create, and to become a creator, to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that like, I think that, and I'm so excited, I'm so happy to be creating all these, like there's been this, this uptick in interest and, all, you know, podcasts and articles being written about what it takes to build companies, um, because it's just not taught, you know, it seemed like, you ever seeing an EMS in grade five, and they kind of like tell you about business and you like, businessmen wear suits and, and work in Santon and, you know, drive the same fences and you have to have a commerce degree to get here and these are the things. And it's not any of that. It's like, it's literally, it's like service and need. Like whether people in your direct community, like look around, look left to right, what do people want? Like what are they, what are they, like, what are they struggling to get if it's like access to something um, or some product or something to make their life better? Just do that, you know, just create that and that's, that's essentially to service that need. I used to run this, um, not obviously like an NGO it makes it sound too fancy it wasn't an NGO it was like a project I see on weekends called Libraries for Entrepreneurship where I used to go to um, libraries like in the K flats and do these like like known like courses I don't even know like I just like on a study I'd hang out in the library and like people come there and we'll kind of talk about like fundamental, just getting like a little business setup and you don't have to also like have this like blockchain AI like like really fancy deep tech kind of thing. I mean, some of the ideas people had were brilliant. Like the one woman, um, she worked, she worked, uh, as a chef in one of the restaurants, um, in town, but she really loved cooking. And we're chatting about, you know, if she wants to create a business of her own and she was like, I really want to set a restaurant up but it's so expensive. I need to get like a loan for that. And I was like, it is true. You know, can we start maybe building up capital by yourself? Um, we, had, we like, you know chatting about how we could how we could do this. We figured out that on her street where she lives, a lot of the men that worked there were going to town to work and they come back really late at night, like get home at around like eight or nine. And then they have to then go find food somewhere, like, you know, maybe go to like a local like restaurant, having as expensive, a plate of food would cost maybe, let's say like, like 60 bucks, you know. And so she was like, well, what I could do is actually I could go cook the meals and I could start to like do like a meal delivery service for like everyone on the street. And so, like, this, like, fundamental service of just, like, realizing that, like, you can start just, like, building up with without even having to, like, name it. Like, I think when you start throwing like jargon at it, you know, it's like looking at, like, the profit margin of this. We you start looking at how much it would cost to buy the ingredients and to cook it and then like, how could you sell for Like, what are the prices, the, the pricing for the plates and how long it then take to save up to then, you know, um, hire more staff to get it bigger? And it gets really exciting. You kind of, like, you know, start projecting into it. But, like, the basics of just, like, servicing a need, I feel like that hasn't been... It's not really being addressed properly, at, like you know, at, at schools or universities. And also, maybe it shouldn't be addressed at schools or universities. Like universities do have a place in our society, but I feel like, ideally, like, yeah, you yeah, just sit through three or four years of like, you know, like how much was actually education, how much is more just like, the cultural experience, where in fact, like the actual core of like of, of like what you need to do can be delivered in content that can be maybe over the course of you know a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And so, like, a new way to kind of break down the barriers to entry to, like, okay, cool, let's get the fundamentals right of starting this up, you know, like, mm. here's, like, a, I don't know, a course or something that can be, that can be taught through, through the libraries. I mean, we have this infrastructure of libraries around our country, which are fantastic with Wi-Fi, um, with, with Internet, with online courses, whatever it is, you know, like, let's deliver content. Let's get, like, mentors out there to all these spaces and develop, like, the, this informal sector, um, And get it, baby, online. So then you also have, like, an access, like, a wider market. There's so, like, all the constituent pieces are there. You know, we have, like, like, these naturally plucky entrepreneurial South Africans. We have, like, broadband access across our country. We have, like, infrastructure, like, libraries around there. We have people that can service each other with, you know, with whatever businesses that that are necessary. Um, It just needs to be organized. We just need, like, effective leadership here. We just need, like, a a minister of small business to be like, I see something here. We just need a, a minister of something you know or someone to kind of be like i'm going to organize these constituent pieces because it's all there the building blocks are there the tinder is there we just need like a a bit of vision (laughs)
0: um you know you guys as much as like you connecting um you connecting students to landlords and like matching them in a really smart way there's a layer of it that's also just community right like you guys are driving and building a really meaningful community of people that care about, you know, the things that they share in common or like the differences that they have. How much are you guys thinking very consciously around the community that you're building and also the things that can come out of there that are not just um, matching properties?
2: Yeah. And those are excellent questions. Um, I think I'll start with the second question first, um, about other verticals digs connect and then go on to the community aspect. Um, on adding the verticals, like there's so many around it, around housing. So like, and I think it's, it's a bit of a chat that entrepreneurs can fall into where you kind of like, your mind just starts going and it's so exciting to think about all the verticals you can add. I mean, we've built up this like, this, this like, um, has this user base, you know, of landlords and then students, young adults are looking to like find homes or find tenants that connect. And from that, there's so many more value ads we could offer them uh, along their journey. And they are, I mean, you think there's a, there's a million ways that students need to kind of like. Uh, interact and chance and stack throughout the day and for landlords also with, with their, their homes they have. Um, and we are exploring a lot of those, but we've also been, we've only now just finalized our core product. Remember saying how we're launching our final core product this month? So we've like, the, des- the, the, the dust will finally, like slightly settle mm-hmm. <laughs> for like a few days. And I don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, we have an ideas board. Actually, um, our head of ops used to get so frustrated with me always throwing in curveball ideas that I was banned from bringing up any new ideas in meetings. And we have to create a special, like, <laughs> Alexandria's innovation group. And it, only twice a week I'm allowed to speak about new ideas. And it goes into a special um, Asana board, which is, like, the innovation board. And we are only allowed to look at it once we finish our core product. So when March comes, <laughs> I'm going to be... You're going to
1: build a bank. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Literally, <laughs> toilet tech. I, it's going to happen. I always go, like, especially... On,
1: when when products uh, connect, you're trying to connect something to something. We're trying to access uh, something to try allow people to access something. I always think about How do you how do you slap a bank onto that thing? How do you build a fintech? How do you build a fintech product <laughs> into something like that? So now when you think about ideas, like okay, maybe Alexandra's is gonna build a bank just for students, or maybe she's gonna allow. Uh, tenants to buy mortgages through
2: DixCoin. <laughs> so, uh, we might have a, a crypto arm coming soon.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's our uh, ICO, right? <laughs> the DixCoin. Um, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen, I promise. It's going to be like Dogecoin. Um, <laughs> but better. Um, so, yeah, I think that so the innovation idea, like put on pause until we get the core cool things right. Building so I'm kind of also head of our product strategy um, at Gix Connect. And building products is just as complex. Like as soon as you add any feature or any added functionality onto like onto a platform, it sends tentacles complexity throughout the entire system. And if you want to have like a really tight UX, you need to just think through all the ways it'll affect you. For example, like this, this big feature we're releasing now, like every bit of functionality that is required at a minimum, like the MVP of the feature, you have to have like a button here to, to you know, to um, so the users can take an action that action will then trigger off, you know, like the emails that get sent and it just, there's like this ripple effect. So I've just become a lot more cautious now uh, when it comes to architecting systems, when it comes to adding new ideas because it does affect the architecture fundamentally and you can just keep adding things on and go mad but then like because those tentacles of complexity come up in ways and you haven't thought about how it'll come up along the user journey, your user will face like a bad user experience like something unexpected will happen or something will break or there'll be some bug because I mean, bugs are inevitable that'll come up. So to have a tight, I think a really tight, slick UI and UX, you need to slowly unravel the core, the core functionality and understand the complexity of the system so that when you add new functionality, or new feature, or new vertical, which is huge. Um, think about how it'll affect that. I remember one of my early mentors said to me, when we started launching in new cities, we started in Cape Town, and then almost overnight, we were in Pretoria, Jo'burg, Midrand, Durban, Bloom, P, Gramstown. And he was like, I think it's a really bad idea to launch so fast, like you should slowly roll out. And I was like, well, we, like our functionality allows you to add a listing anyway. He's like, mm-hmm. you should think about limiting that. And you tell an entrepreneur to limit their growth, they'll be like, how dare you? We're just like, <laughs> yeah. <to> take off. <laughs> but, you know, in, again, in hindsight, I had to learn a list myself. He was right. Like, anything requires, like, is, is, is complex. You know, if you want to do it well, you need to do it slowly because otherwise you lose control of it. And when we started launching all these new markets, like, they were like, I thought I knew what would happen, you know, if we launched a new market, like, okay, we need to like change these things, allow this functionality, um, update our, our map spending. So like the things just go like, there's a lot of like, things start arise that you hadn't thought of. There's always like edge cases. And often those edge cases aren't a big deal, but sometimes they'll be really hectic. Like let's say you haven't kept your spending properly on like your, your maps thing. And then you get like a huge bill from Google because you hadn't thought about all the new requests that be coming through. So, yeah, so focus is important. And then the first question you asked, I've completely forgotten now.
0: Oh, wow. I think I asked one question. Didn't I one? Yeah, I it was one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> what does the future of Dix look like?
2: I oh, know. This ties to that first question. You're making me... You're gonna make me uh, unfocus the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna start talking about Diggs coin now. You're <laughs> not <Diggs> careful. <laughs> Diggs <laughs> Diggs. <laughs> um, for the foreseeable future, we are gonna we match up learners and students. Um, it really is about getting that absolutely right, like having that be the best possible experience. There's there's something just about. Like an extraordinary experience. I mean, Brian Tresky talks about a lot the 10 star experience. When mm. a product delivers its core value beautifully, like beautifully, beautifully, <laughs> beautifully, um, there's just something, uh, it becomes an iconic product. You know, like Apple could release an entire suite of like hardware things. They could do like, you know, screens and, and everything, but they have a few cool products and those are, are, are perfect. I think with Days Connect too, we like we have to get our cool product. Not only like I mean, it works, it works, and it's great, and we we fasted, we've we fast our connections, and we made our users happy. But like I want it to be perfect, absolutely, like like every corner has been thought through. Be, like a product that is just like iconic. And then start adding these on. So
0: yeah. That sounds good. Thank you so much for your time. I think um, we're going to cap it there because we've been going for like an hour. (laughs) I'm actually going to split this into two parts because I feel like... There was like a lot that you shared around your business journey, but even more around um, the things that you're doing as a founder to get things right. And I think it would be cool to sort of separate those two parts and Mm. have people really consuming it in an amazing way. But yeah, I really, really appreciate your time, but also your energy and your openness as well. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you to the co-producer.
1: Thanks, Alexandria.
0: I'm trying. Bro. I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> are you guys enjoy test- it right now? Yes. Um, so we actually, this is our first recording in our first podcast studio. So we so just you know, recently you know, got you know, a podcast studio and yeah, you are our first guest. I mean, you are on a computer. but Never mind
1: okay. the people at the back. They just, they're just reading the aesthetics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no guys, it's so cool. I love your studio. Like I was gonna say I've got the same plant as you, like I wanna show you my plants. I'm also wearing pants right now, so hopefully I don't drop the I don't drop my plants off because you'll see more than you bargain for. <laughs> but, <laughs> same plant. Oh wow,
0: that's amazing. I love this plant. I love this plant.
2: I've got so many plants, literally. I've got like plants.